0: I love learning about new technology because I want to be able to know what questions to ask, not because I can do it myself. And I think that's another big thing. like you, need, you don't need to be doing the technical SEO of your website, but you need to kind of know the 10 things to make sure you're asking your web guy or girl to do. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions
1: podcast where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice for real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 181 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend as we continue down the path to 200 episodes. I'm excited to get there sometime this summer. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, and I'm, I'm very excited. To, speaking of being excited today, I can't wait. I've, I've tried to get this guest on the show since last fall and I finally tracked her down. Um, <laughs> I'm talking about Melanie Pichet. She's with the Brel team up in Toronto doing some crazy cool stuff. I got to see her at the Realtor Results Summit. Uh, like you get a chance to see her talk about Facebook or social or just really her business. Don't, Pass on that opportunity. She's amazing, Melanie. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you for having me, Bill. I'm excited to finally be uh, taking the time and be able to chat today.
1: Yeah, and that's what it is. I just want to find out about what you're doing, and and I have to start with this because as I look around at you know guest stuff before I schedule the uh, the the interview, I love this. I love this line on your website. It says, "No BS, no fridge magnets, no broken promises." That is amazing. So. Talk about that tagline and, and and maybe was there an inspiration for this slightly snarky piece of gold?
0: It's funny when, um, I mean, we've been in the, I work with my husband, Brennan Powell. We've been in the business for 10 years and we first started, we knew nothing about marketing and think Social media was a thing yet. And we sat down and we're like, what kind of agents do we want to be? And I remember the day where we were just like, you know what? We don't want fridge magnets because that stands for kind of the traditional agents and everything that everybody's doing. And we don't want to BS anybody because that's what all of our friends hate about their real estate agents. So honestly, it really was without, you know, it, it sounds really smart to go back now and think about it, but it was really just us saying, this is who we want to be. And now we could go back and be like, wow, that was really good positioning. And we've been hired off of that tagline tons of times, but it really was just as simple as, this is, this is who we don't want to be
1: you wouldn't call it a mission statement, but it's definitely something along those lines. Uh, And who knew, right, that it would really turn into what it's turned into today.
0: Exactly. I mean, it was just us you know, talking about what we wanted to be and not. And and here it is. And it's like it really still 10 years later, in fact, more than ever, really defines who we are as a team and how we treat the business and how we treat our clients.
1: Now, you live in Toronto, you work in Toronto, and um, I've had the Great fortune of visiting Toronto many, many years ago uh, and found it to be just an unbelievably beautiful city, maybe one of the cleanest cities I've ever been in in my life for a big city. I don't know if that's a, yep. a claim to fame. Oh. Yep. Yep. But tell me, did you, are you a native of that area? Um, talk about, you know, where you grew up and, and, and then tell me what, if, you know, if you, what's that 30 second elevator pitch for Toronto when you're talking to somebody?
0: So I grew up in a small town in, in northern Ontario where there's a lot of snow and it's even colder than in Toronto. Um, but I've been in Toronto for, God, probably 25 years now. So it certainly feels like home. And I mean, Toronto is, is probably the most multicultural city in the world where, you know, it's over 60 percent of people here were not born in Canada. And that's what makes Toronto. I mean, it's just a whole bunch of people. There's just complete acceptance about whatever you want to do in Toronto. And we kind of look at it and it's like, it's kind of the best of New York city and the best of Chicago with, with a nice Canadian attitude where, you know, we like to apologize a lot. <laughs> I like that.
1: So um, uh, let me ask you this question because you, I'm a sports guy. I think, you know, that it's just part of who I yep. am. And I'm thinking, Wow, Toronto! You got you got the Leafs, you got the Blue Jays, you got the Raptors. So you got all these, you know, the NBA, the NHL, uh, and MLB, and then you got the Argonauts and in the Canadian Football League. One of those teams has to be your favorite. Who do you follow the most?
0: You know, the common thing about those teams is is they disappoint us every single year. It's really <laughs> hard to be in Toronto to be a sports fan because some of our teams, like the Raptors, get us all excited and let us down at the very end. And some of our teams, you know, are are a disaster from the beginning, like the Leafs. So it's it's really hard to be a, a Toronto fan ah. because our emotions are always in play.
1: Well, let's say we'll say this, though, at least are they apologetic? Like you mentioned, Canadians are?
0: Absolutely. I mean, you can't get a ticket to go see any of those teams because everyone's going to be there and, you know, trying our best. But definitely uh, we apologize for our teams a lot.
1: All right. All right. I'll leave, I'll leave that alone. Like nearly every guest, I'm going to assume that real estate was probably not you know, on the top of mind for you as you were headed off to university. So let's talk about that time of your life. First of all, where did you go to school and what was the dream for Melanie as you were entering college?
0: That's funny. I went to the University of Ottawa and I got a Bachelor of Commerce degree. And at the time, I did a double major in human resources and marketing. And when I graduated, I spent the kind of the first 12 years working as an HR director in the ad industry, um, which was a really nice use of both of my skill sets um, that I'd gone to school for. And when I made the transition to real estate, it was it was shocking how useful and transferable everything I'd learned in school and, and on the job was. And now that I run a team. I've basically, and I'm in charge of marketing, I've basically recreated my old world because <laughs> I don't see clients anymore. So I'm basically back in HR and marketing, only now I, I'm in the real estate space, which is kind of funny, come full circle.
1: Right. Well, let's talk about that transition because somewhere, you know, you had to look at real estate and go, this could be an opportunity. What, was there some trigger, some event that you said, I'm, I'm tired of this, the corporate side of things, I want to be out on my own, or what was the, what was that thing for you?
0: I was always a little bit obsessed with, with real estate. I was one of those people who goes to open houses, even, you know, even though I wasn't looking to buy a house. Um, I would bought some properties myself. I got my real estate license in 2007 because I was bored at work. In the ad industry, it's a pretty tough industry. And I really felt that I had pushed the people envelope about as far as I was going to be able to push it. And then I met this guy who is now my husband and partner. Um, we took a year off and traveled. So I thought, you know, I'll get my real estate license for fun. And this will be an amazing and easy part-time job. Um, And we took a year off and traveled, but I ended up getting sick in the ninth month in Turkey and the insurance company sent me home. So I got here and I'm like, well, now what am I going to do? I'm on sabbatical from my job. So I've got four months to kill some time. I might as well put this real estate license to use. And it's funny to go back because honestly, if I hadn't gotten sick, I'm sure I'd still be in that HR job. And I started, and I was like, wow, I love this. And I mean, that's of course fall of 2008. So we know how much fun the economy was then. Right. But as an HR director, I mean, I wasn't afraid of negotiating. I wasn't afraid of very much and I didn't know a different market. So I started off and actually had a really amazing first year. And then I thought, you know what, maybe I'll just stick to this and see what happens. And it took a couple of years where, you know, I wasn't giving it a hundred percent. My husband at that point had come into the business. Well, we got married. He'd come into the business and then we had a really bad year. I thought, this is stupid. I'm going to have to go back to my old job. And I took a, I took a contract and I thought, I hate this. I don't have a plan B anymore. So I'm going to have to make real estate work. And, and that's really when I started going to the inman conferences and learning about digital marketing. And, and it was a huge turning point in our business, but it, it took not having that safety net of my old career to really make me commit.
1: You know, you, you said something very interesting that I I want to just touch on the the mm-hmm. fact that HR director, by its very nature, um, of course, there's all the healthcare and the just the basic people stuff you take care of. But boy, when tough things have to happen with personnel, you're on the firing line every single time. And so you you talk about negotiating a contract probably seemed like this is nothing compared to some of the things you had to do in that other role.
0: Absolutely. And having tough conversations and knowing how to catch that and make people feel comfortable and listen and and put their needs in front of my own. I mean, that's what you do when you're in HR. And it ended up being just a phenomenal transferable skill set um, let alone when I started managing a team and then recruiting and managing performance and holding people accountable became, you know, the bulk part of my role. It was incredible with clients.
1: You actually share that trait uh, with Jay Thompson. Did you know that Jay Thompson came out of the HR world, right, as well?
0: I think I did know that. Yeah. yeah
1: that's pretty cool. It's
0: a good training ground.
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk about the Brell team, right? So you, you had moved along, you went into the business. Who, what was the first brokerage you worked for up in Canada?
0: It was a tiny little brokerage called Condos and Castles. They were my previous realtor. Uh, I think there were four of us there at the time. And again, this was only going to be a part-time gig, right? That was going to be super easy Um, (laughs) in in my fantasy world initially. And then I moved to Bosley Real Estate, which is a big player in Toronto. Excellent training ground for new agents. And we were there for about two years. And then we spent... Got almost eight years at Sage Real Estate, which is just a phenomenal brokerage in Toronto that just does real estate very differently than anybody else. So we've I've always been very much with the boutique brokerages as opposed to any of the big brands.
1: Did, was the team an early concept for you and your husband?
0: Again, totally accidental. Um, when we got serious and we thought, you know what, let's build our business online. And everybody told us it wasn't going to work. And it did. So suddenly we had more buyers and sellers than we could handle. So I'd love to say we had this great strategy of building a team, but it was like, oh God, what are we going to do? We cannot service all these people. Let's start building a team. And that's actually how the team was born. And we went, we probably made every team mistake there is to make along the way. And it wasn't really until probably, God, four years ago where we really figured out how to build and how to attract the best agents and keep them and build an amazing culture and service them in a way that, you know, they they can enjoy their lives as agents and do the things that they want to do and we can take care of everything else. It took us years to figure that out. And we have a phenomenal team now.
1: Couple questions. Brel is capital B-R-E-L. That means?
0: Hmm. No one ever asked that question, which always surprises me. Um, when Brendan and I started dating, it was during the Brangelina days. So we were Brawl long before we actually got into real estate. And it's literally Brennan and Mel. That's
1: awesome. I love that. And, and
0: <laughs> Thank it's, God, it's, it's outside like a listing presentation.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. Um, what's the makeup of your team now? What does it look like with you know be, with staff and, and agents and that sort of thing?
0: So we are 13 full-time people. So we've got 10 agents. Um, I don't sell anymore. So kind of nine selling agents. And we have full-time staging. So we've got a warehouse and full of furniture and two full-time stagers. Uh, we have an admin who supports the whole team. We have an open position right now for a marketing coordinator. And then we've got a full, uh, part-time writer who works with us. And obviously, a really close relationship with our web company and a branding company.
1: There's some big news that came out of the Braille team just recently. And I think this is the perfect time in the interview to talk about it. Uh, tell, me, tell me what happened and what you've done, what you've created. And what sort of response are you getting for your new... Um, let's call it your new chapter.
0: For sure, we're really excited. Um, I guess, God, I think we're two and a half weeks old now. We actually launched a brokerage, which just focuses on our team. So we, we were with an amazing brokerage and we're extremely happy there, but at the same time, loved building our brand and doing our own thing. And we came up with the concept of what we're calling the team of teams, which would be a group, uh, a number of teams getting together um, and either being their own brokerages legally or not, um, but would be sharing back end resources because it felt that we were at the point where we didn't really need a lot of the services that, you know, traditional brokerages uh, and even non-traditional brokerages were offering. So we partnered up with two other big teams in Toronto. So together, I mean, we're only 24 agents, but we control a good a good chunk of the Toronto market and we all have our own brands, which is really exciting, but we share all the back end resources and we do a ton of collaboration because we're very different so our team was built you know with brand first and digital second Um, the teams we've partnered with have been in the business 20 and 30 years Um, so have come to things in in their success in a much more traditional way and learning from them what they did and them learning from us has just been amazing and we spent months trying to figure out who the right partners would be for the team of teams and um, I mean we're two and a half weeks in but it's been pretty amazing and the feedback uh, has been really interesting to watch. Most of our clients um, were like, "Why you weren't a brokerage already? <laughs> Which was right. interesting. Right. Um, and and the good validation that our brand can stand on its own. A lot of the big teams have been very interested with the idea, obviously, because it is a different way of, of looking at brokerages. And I think, you know, the brokerage model, at least in, in Toronto or Canada, hasn't changed in a long time. And so there's a lot of interest coming from the teams. And I think... Individual agents are interested, I'm a little bit concerned because I think it's making the you know the teams even more powerful than they were before. We haven't written into our contracts that none of the the three teams are able to hire individual agents. So our brokerage is only our team, um, which again changes the game significantly, and um, that our focus is strictly on the team because we think that's the that's the future and the only way to really service. At least the clients in our market. I mean, Toronto is, a, is an amazing real estate market and we have been since 2009. Our average price point over a million dollars. Um, but we're also the biggest real estate board in the world. We have over 55,000 members and for, that's 110,000 transactions a year. So it's a very, very competitive market.
1: This will be fun to watch. It'll be uh, it'll be very interesting. I'm sure somewhere along the line we're going to see a story or two about this know, on a couple of different websites that run around asking about people and what they're doing. I
0: have a feeling we will. <laughs> Good. It takes a little while for people to even understand what we've done, right? Um, because they're expecting it to be in falling into that traditional model where you know they're building the big corporate brand. And I was like, no, our brand is always first, and you know we can do whatever we want. And as long as you've got the right partners, I think it's a model that could be easily replicated with the right teams anywhere. I'm
1: going to go back a little bit to you. You talked about the fact that when you were told you couldn't sell houses by having a good website or being online, um, mm-hmm. you solved that issue. You have a fantastic blog. It's something I've talked to you about this, that that you were in on this game early. Um, talk about talk about the power of that content, what it did for you. And and if there's an agent sitting out there right now today in 2019, is it too late to get into that world?
0: Those are great questions. I mean, we we started the blog. I mean, I remember going to my first Inman conference. And I know that it was seven years ago because it was Brendan's 40th birthday. And we had this big fancy weekend in New York planned. And my mind was completely blown. And uh, there's no reason that we can't do this. And honestly, we checked into that suite at the Thompson. And we never checked out all weekend. And all we did was plan our website, plan the blog, and plan our digital strategy. And it it changed things completely. And we started, I mean, if you look at my early blogs, I had a pretty corporate voice left over from the HR days, but I found it pretty quickly. So if you read my blog, it's very much like somebody's talking to me. Um, so it makes it very readable. I'm writing very unique content that for the most, you know, people aren't able to find. From a lot of different places, it's not you know ten ways to make the outdoor outside of your house look pretty. I'm taking some really strong opinions. I'm saying things other people aren't saying, and it's really resonated with people. So I mean, seven years in, we get about three thousand people a day on our website, um, which is exciting. And eighty percent of our team's business comes from that site. Wow. So so to put that in kind of you know numbers, real estate agents will understand. That's about two and a half million in commission last year that came from the website.
1: Wow. Can someone start today and get success with it?
0: It's a really good question. I mean, I think in every industry, everybody is suffering from content overload, right? There's videos, there's there's blogs, there's so much information out there. I think a lot of industries are seeing some fallback on that. So I think that there's absolutely room for people to start a podcast, a blog, a video series, as long as it's something really good. And if all you're going to do is say the same thing everybody else is saying, it's not even so much that it's too late. It's that nobody cares about that anymore. You've Got a voice. You've got something to say and you're committed to doing it consistently. Then it's absolutely not too late to start. But if you're going to just, you know, pump out some blogs for a few months that are saying the same thing as everybody else and you're just rewriting it, I wouldn't even bother because I think that that ship has sailed. There's so much competition right now. I'm a big SEO geek. Um, there's nothing I love more than playing the game of how fast can I get on the first page of Google for X word. And there's still, there's still a lot of room for that. But again, you've got to be really committed to it. And I've always, I think everybody can either write or they can be on video or they can be on a podcast. Some people are lucky enough to do multiple of those. Um, and I think if someone's really committed to a content strategy, it'll change their lives. It'll change their businesses, but that commitment, it's not easy. There's no shortcut. And that's the tough thing for a lot of people I talk to who want to get into it, um, is there isn't, there isn't a fast way to make it work. And you have to stick at it for a really long time.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I, I try to explain to people that people that have successful websites, whether it's a, a web presence, let's say, whether it's video or it's, or it's written content, it's not 10 posts. It's 50, then 100, and then 150, then on from there. You've just got to k- keep going. You can't stop.
0: You can't. And and, I mean, it's hard because, you know, seven years in, I, I don't write like I used to now. I mean, I'm next week I'm going on a writing trip where I'm going to Mexico to sit on a beach for a week and I'm going to write 10,000 words a day and I'll have content for the next three months.
1: Wow. It's your own version of NaNoWriMo. You're doing your own thing out there, right? <laughs> That's great. It's
0: really sad, actually, the games that I have to play. But it's not. it used to be I'd love writing every day, or then I would do it on Sunday mornings. And now I'm like, now I have to actually batch this, um, other than the odd kind of timely piece of information, because it is a long game. And yet, I, I'm also not naive enough to not know that if I stop doing it, it's only so long that the content I produce is going to keep producing.
1: Let's talk about your team uh, and how you, the, the focus on relationships is, is, it seems like it's everything. Talk about the importance of how you bake this into the, uh, to the brand, we'll call it, of Brell.
0: So we have always been about selling an experience to our clients. So it's never been about working with Brandon or Melanie. Honestly, maybe one person a year requests to work with us. It, it's always been about an experience that's based around putting the consumer first. So we have a very defined Experience that a buyer goes through—a very defined experience. The seller goes through a very defined experience of what happens after the sale, um, so that you know we're staying in their lives in a meaningful way, and not you know sending canned newsletters with like a recipe this month that nobody cares about. So we spent a lot of time defining what that looks like, and then hiring the right agents who can go out and deliver on that, and they actually have to care about the client and not care about the deal or the transaction. And, you know, I think if we're coming from a place of abundance and we have a lot of leads and we have a a good business, it's easier for the agents to make the right calls because they're not dependent on the sale going through to pay their mortgage this month. Right. And and that's been really helpful because it allows everybody to always make the right decision and always put what's right for the, the customer first. And I know that that's hard for a lot of people.
1: I think it's hard for a lot of people and it's so transparent to the consumer, right? That that's happening. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And it's not because, you know, those agents are bad people, but they're desperate. And certainly in our market where I even mean, the average agent sold less than four properties last year, that's really hard to make a living on that. Right. So I, I get why things have turned into the way they have. And yet, you know, we've, we've been successful because our clients feel that they're important and they are important. And they're important to us after it closes. We're not the agents who, you know, you'll never hear from us again. In six months from now, you won't be able to name us. And that's been really important to us. And it's a big part of our satisfaction. I mean, there's a lot of money to be made in real estate, but there's a lot of satisfaction to come from it, too, if you do it in a way that's true to your values and who you are. And we do go to weddings, and we get invited to baby showers, and that's really important to us. They might meet us online, and they might have a relationship with us that we don't know about for years before they reach out, but once they do, it really becomes all about them.
1: I just wish more people would hear that message and and find a way to work towards that so we'll keep I'll keep my fingers crossed maybe maybe one day.
0: <laughs> it's funny. I read a great book the other day um by Joe Rand. I don't know if you know Joe oh sure I actually. I don't actually I've never actually met him and I, I think it came across my Facebook feed and I bought it. And he wrote a book called How to Be a Great Real Estate Agent, which sounds like it's going to be a oh whatever book. That book is amazing. It's all about switching our thinking and putting the consumer at the center of everything that we do. And it's very practical. And he'll go through like switching listing presentations and buyer consultations and and what if this wasn't about us and it was about them? And I would just love every agent to have to read that book as part of maintaining their license, let alone getting their license, because it changes our thinking. And and a lot of us have already been treating people that way. It's the first time that I've actually seen it in black and white, so beautifully written and obvious to anybody who reads it of how this doesn't have to be, we don't have to do business the same way we've been doing it for 30 years. We don't have to, live up to the bad reputation that we have with a lot of people. Just a, I just love that book.
1: Yeah. I saw Joe in New York at Inman and I, uh, he's going to be on the show soon. So we'll All have right. a lot to talk about. It'll be good. I, I mentioned I saw you present in Las Vegas at the realtor.com results summit. You did a, a, a t- Your topic was Facebook, which you know, we've talked about for a long time now, but uh, you were super passionate about it. And, and it really was, the passion was stop screwing up you know, start using this the right way, right? So, so I don't, we don't have time to go through the whole presentation, but give me some of your top do's and don'ts, you know, that can be like a takeaway for listeners.
0: For sure. I mean, Facebook's always been a huge part of our strategy. And when, when Myrtle.com asked me to speak about it, there was that like, oh, everybody's bored of hearing about Facebook moment. And then I thought, you know what, what if I just go up there and and I, I just call out all of the bad things that we do on Facebook as realtors and all of the ways that we can actually make it work and be true to ourselves. And I ended up having a lot of fun with that presentation and got some really good feedback. And, you know, I think there's been so much misinformation about Facebook. And sometimes there's such a desperation to just check it off your list of things that you're doing that you know we can we can do it in a really bad way and i think there's no question in my mind that you know every agent needs to have a facebook business page i know there were people in the quote unquote gurus in our industry that were telling us not to do that a few years ago it's a huge part of our business it's a huge way that our our customers are researching us and i think the and that's the place to put things like listings and open houses and i think that's just the it's the number one thing i hate about having real estate agent friends on Facebook is you see every bloody listing that they do. You see every testimonial, you see that picture of the soul sign and their clients. And it's like, we just do it all the same thing. And none, no no real person wants to see that. And people just want to see a picture of your dog. They don't want to know that today you've got six showings and two offers, and then you're going to a home inspection. And like, it's just weird how agents translate their lives on a Facebook. And I think people just need to be real.
1: Easier said than done, obviously.
0: But is it? Or are people <laughs> they gone to a you know some course somewhere five years ago at their brokerage and they had, they haven't let go of that? I got invited to an open house in I think Utah today. <laughs> that that was really really useful.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Like,
0: I thought people were over that, but I think there's still I think people need permission to be themselves on Facebook and honestly in this entire business. People need to stop listening to the gurus and they need to stop listening to their broker whose success was 20 years ago. And they need to just do the right thing for themselves.
1: Speaking of right things, let's talk about uh, getwhatyouwant.ca. That's your okay. website. And uh, it's beautiful. I When I when people ask me about websites, I, there's a few that I hand out. A few, I say, go check these out. You're one of them. Because yeah, I think it, it's just amazing. So talk about, you mentioned the thought process happened that, that fateful weekend in New York, but obviously there's been a lot of evolution and development and, you know, what does it look like? What does it look like keeping that site, you know, so fresh and vibrant?
0: So this is the third evolution since that, that day at Inman. Um, and by the way, the, the website I had when I went to Inman was like a Costco wizard that I had done myself. Nice. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so you know how productive and useful that was um so this is the third iteration of it it's probably about a year and a half old I do go back and and rewrite and update content and we're probably adding five to ten pieces of new content a week and that might be you know evergreen guides and kind of content that I want to last a long time or a neighborhood page that might be blogs that might be listings and so it is a a serious commitment of time and dollars, to be honest. I mean, it's a huge beast of a website now. We work with Artifact um, out of Toronto who do a a lot of real estate websites, and they're amazing. Um, But I think, you know, and I get calls all the time because people see my site and they're like, ooh, I have to hire a web developer. I'm like, they're awesome. But recognize that a beautifully designed website isn't going to deliver you clients unless you're committed to the content.
1: Right. Right.
0: So don't spend tens of thousands of dollars on something and then just let it sit there and and then wonder why it's not doing anything. I mean, it's a partnership with our web company. They do the development and all the you know the yucky technical stuff, but I'm doing all of the content, and that's why it works. And you if you you know if you're not committed to doing the content piece, then honestly, you know don't don't waste a bunch of money on an expensive website. You're not going to get buyers and sellers reaching out to you, even if it's pretty.
1: Right. And you've ex- you explained earlier in this conversation, you spend a lot of time. You don't sell anymore because you're taking care of the brand, the marketing, the website, all that stuff.
0: For sure. Now, seven years ago, I was absolutely still selling. Um, and at the time, what we did is we looked at it as, you know what? we. I'm never going to knock on a door. I'm never going to make a cold call. I don't want to spend $10,000 a month on postcards. I'm going to take all of those dollars and all of the time I would spend doing that. And I'm spending it on the website.
1: Hmm. Nice.
0: And so, and so I honestly, I do. Yeah, it's, I mean, now it's a very different, I, you know, it's a team of 14. My world is different, but I think that what I did then is, is totally possible to do as an individual agent. You just need to, to set, reset your priorities and you need to go all in. And it might mean not watching, you know, everything everybody else is watching on Netflix uh, or getting up early in the morning to make that time for it. Cause obviously clients and selling and showing houses takes a lot of time as we all know, but if you're committed to it, I mean, the nice thing about once you get that digital presence going is it's like you're prospecting 24 hours a day. So you can wake up and you've got new leads there and you didn't have to spend two hours in the middle of the night making calls or knocking on doors. And that thinking helped me get through um, all of those years of trying to find the time to put into websites and, and writing and it paid off obviously and, and can pay off for anybody. Like I don't, I don't think there's anything that I do that, that nobody else can do. Mm-hmm. I write, I'm not a great writer. I'm a good writer. I have something to say, um, but you know, it's as like as I have spectacular writing skills. I don't have spectacular technical skills. I mean, I have a new laptop. I haven't been able to print on for two months. <laughs> and I think it's important to say that though, right? Cause yeah. people sometimes will look at at people like me and be like, Oh, I could never do that. And I don't actually believe that. Yeah. I don't sell houses now, but I also manage a team of 14 people, but I sold houses for many years while writing and doing that. So I, you know, I think people who give themselves a pass too easily in this business sometimes, and um, I don't think anybody can do this if they're committed to it
1: part of that being committed to it is I mean you self identify as a tech geek and a conference junkie that doesn 't mean you 're an expert at tech but but you do follow it, you do pay attention. Talk about you know how that's been you know critical for your success
0: well i mean we in in, in Canadians we didn't really go through the recession that that you guys did, right So in two thousand and eight we had about six months of a downturn my first six months in the market. But we never really went through that, which means that around me, there's not a lot of innovation. Toronto is still very 1995 or 2000, and how they do a lot of things. So for me, starting to go to conferences in the. US was very much about I wanted to spend time with people who got through those tough years, and were forced to do innovative things and learn different ways and think different ways of doing it. So that's how I became you know a real estate conference junkie was because it wasn't it wasn't happening around me and it wasn't happening at the brokerages I was with at the time and I love learning about new technology because I want to be able to know what questions to ask not because I can do it myself and I think that's another big thing like you need you don't need to be doing the technical SEO of your website but you need to kind of know the 10 things to make sure you're asking your web guy or girl to do does that make sense?
1: Perfect sense. Yep, absolutely. There's a phrase it's like I don't need to know how the cook made the food. <laughs> I just need to know exactly. that it, <laughs> I just need to know what I like.
0: <laughs> exactly. And I mean to me that's how I kind of my approach to technology has always been. I mean, I'm I try not to get distracted by bright and shiny things. I'm usually not the first person out the door with something. I'll wait till I've seen other people do it successfully and then I'll go in and I'll do it differently and I'll do it more consistently.
1: Look, I'm going to wrap this up. I've had uh, plenty of your time here. I'm going to wrap it up with the same question I've asked every guest. And that is, what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just getting started in the business?
0: Don't listen to anybody. Seriously, I think you need to figure out who you are. You need to have that moment that we had 10 years ago where we're like, you know what? I'm not about fridge magnets and I'm not about BSing clients. And when you figure out who you are, I think the rest of it is a lot clearer. And it's so easy to get distracted by all the experts. You just need to be yourself and not get distracted with everything everyone's telling you to do, whether that's knock on doors or cold call or whatever that is. You need to figure out who you are and be true to that. And I think in all of the the cool things we've done over the 10 years, I think that's the reason for our success a lot more than the website and the long hours that we work. I think we're just really true to who we are and clients respect that and it means we have fun doing what we're doing and we don't mind working the hours Um, and the fact that that's paid off financially is a nice bonus and i think if you're just starting out in the business just be yourself
1: melanie if somebody wants to reach out to you how can they best do that
0: not by phone I do not like getting a million phone calls. I am always on Facebook. So the best way to reach me is uh, on Facebook, either front of me personally or through the Braille team page, uh, or obviously reaching out through our website at getwhatyouwant.ca because all of those emails come to me.
1: Right. Melanie, this was uh, beyond my expectations. I had so much fun listening to your passion, listening to, I mean, you, you really have this, uh, it's like this passionate aura about you, and it's it's very contagious. You need to be talking to more people. Thank you.